Hello and welcome to the Men's Health Matters podcast. I'm Rob Klein from the Freemasons Foundation, which has proudly partnered with the University of Adelaide to create the Freemasons Foundation Centre for Men's Health. The centre supports young scientists who are dedicated to undertaking research, addressing some of the biggest health issues important to men. So far, we have produced hundreds of research publications and initiatives which make a difference in everything from depression and sexual health to heart disease and prostate cancer. The Men's Health Matters podcast series showcases some of our current research which is aimed at advancing the health and well-being of all Australian men. For this podcast, we have Dr Luke Self, a phenomenal young scientist that we are proud to have working in the centre, talking about the war he is leading against prostate cancer. Luke is part of an Adelaide research team that has, over the decades, been instrumental in advancing treatment for this disease. And now, here is your host, Cameron Giss, to take you through it. Thanks, Rob. After Luke completed his PhD in molecular biology here in Adelaide in 2005, a cancer diagnosis in his immediate family inspired him to travel to London to study at Cancer Research UK. He was then awarded a research fellowship from our centre to return to Adelaide in 2009 to work at the Dame Roma Mitchell Cancer Research Laboratories. Luke is one of a select few of young scientists outside of the US who has been awarded a Prostate Cancer Foundation of America Research Fellowship. He went on to be awarded a fellowship from the Prostate Cancer Foundation of Australia and in 2013 received the South Australian Young Scientist Tall Poppy Award recognising excellence in science. Luke now runs the Prostate Cancer Research Program here at Adelaide Medical School and I'm very excited to be able to speak with him today about his research. So without further delay, let's jump into the interview. G'day Luke, thanks for coming on the podcast today mate. No worries, thanks for having me. Luke, um, your lab research program, it focuses largely on the, um, the androgen receptor protein, which is also known simply as the AR. For people like myself who don't really know what that means, would you be able to give a bit of a background about this area and um, maybe discuss why this receptor is so important in the context of prostate cancer? No worries. So the androgen receptor is a protein that binds to androgens. Um, and androgens are the male sex hormones, and testosterone is probably the best-known androgen. So when it's bound to androgen, um, like testosterone, the AR becomes activated. And activated AR is critically important for the development of male sexual tissues, which includes the prostate. But it also plays a key role in uh, many other tissues throughout the body, such as muscles, bones, and the brain. And it's also worth noting that while androgens are really thought of as the male sex hormones, um, they also have vital functions in women as well, being required for normal fertility. <clears throat> so in short, the AR is a really important player in normal human physiology. But like many other proteins in our body, sometimes the function of AR can go awry. And this can cause problems. And so this is exactly what happens in the prostate. So in the normal prostate, AR is a good player, but um, its role switches during the development of prostate cancer and it actually becomes the primary driver of prostate cancer growth. 
So our work is really focused on understanding how AR changes from a good to a bad player as prostate cancer grows. And we're also trying to develop new drugs that block AR activity when prostate cancer has progressed to a deadly phase. I'm assuming there's an endless list of factors which influence prostate cancer, but you've chosen to focus solely on the androgen receptor. Um, how come? Well, the fact is that that androgen receptor is the single most important driver of prostate cancer. But um, another major reason that my research is heavily focused on this factor is because my, uh, my mentor, Professor Wayne Tilley, was one of the first to characterize its role in prostate cancer. And this uh, seminal work happened all the way back in the 80s when uh, Professor Tilly was working in Texas in the US. And so it'd be good to hear Wayne tell us a bit more about that work. Okay, well, let's hear directly from the man himself, uh, Professor Wayne Tilly. So back in the 1980s, we knew that the androgen receptor was important in mediating the action of testicular androgens for the normal development of the prostate. And we also postulated that as a consequence, it would be important in prostate cancer. However, at the time, there was not a lot of information or understanding about the how that might occur. And so in order to facilitate that, in the, in the mid to late 1980s, I went to the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center to to actually clone the androgen receptor and indeed we were one of the first people to clone any gene let alone the androgen receptor and it was a result of that work that actually led to profound new insights into how into the role of the androgen receptor in prostate cancer and how it could be better targeted to develop new therapies for for advanced prostate cancer um, what was um, thought at the time, based on other diseases of normal development in, in uh, men, was that if you had alterations in the androgen receptor, it would lead to loss of function of the receptor or inactivation of the receptor. And But what our research showed subsequent to cloning the human androgen receptor was that in prostate cancer, you could have completely different alterations that actually led to a receptor that could be more active, quite promiscuous, um, could be stimulated by various factors in the body other than androgens, and indeed some androgen receptor antagonists used in treating the disease could also stimulate these mutant or variant androgen receptors. And so this actually created enormous interest in the field. It led to people looking at uh, the role of the androgen receptor much more closely in prostate cancer, um, groups actually crystallizing the receptor so we'd know its structure, and that actually helped design new androgen receptor antagonists that were better in, in, in inhibiting the growth of, uh, or inhibiting the growth promoting effects of androgens on the normal androgen receptor, but more importantly, would be effective in inhibiting the effects of androgens on these mutant androgen receptors that are, have now been shown to, to be, play an important role in driving the growth of prostate cancer. So, Wayne, when you um, talk about AR antagonists, uh, I assume you're talking about androgen deprivation therapy, which is also known as uh, ADT. Can you talk a bit more about that? Yes, so, so if we go back to androgen deprivation therapy, and initially that was developed by uh, um, Charles Huggins and his colleagues, Huggins, Hodgins and Steve Stevens in the, uh, in, in the 1950s. And uh, 
the the classical form of androgen deprivation therapy was um, uh, removal of the testes, um, and clearly that's not particularly palatable. And so since then, there's been um, various medical forms of androgen deprivation therapy developed. But the same principle is still true. These medical forms um, shut down the testicular production of androgens, and that's the classic form of androgen deprivation therapy. But we now, what we know is that androgens can also be made in other tissues in the body, and and even the prostate tumor itself can make androgens. And so, individuals who have had their um, testicular production shut down may still produce enough androgen within the prostate cancer to stimulate its growth. So it's this local production of androgen that becomes critical. And so in order to, to, to inhibit that, you, you now need other types of drugs that will block that locally produced androgen at the site of the receptor. And we call these drugs androgen receptor antagonists. And, uh, and so it was by cloning the androgen receptor, working out its structure people were able to look at models of the androgen receptor and design more effective drugs to inhibit its activity, whether it was wild type or the mutant forms that we see in prostate cancer. Cheers, Wayne. Um, So back to you, Luke. Uh, Would you be able to just tell the listeners a bit more about Professor Tilly? He's not a Texan cowboy, as you probably got from his accent. He originates right here from the Riverland in South Australia. Um, And yeah, as I said, he's a big player in the prostate cancer field. However, his research interests aren't only restricted to prostate cancer. So the Dame Roma Mitchell Cancer Research Labs, uh, which Wayne directs and where my group is based, also incorporates a world-renowned breast cancer research group. And the reason our larger unit focuses on both prostate and breast cancer is that these diseases actually share many similarities. So the key one is that both are driven by very similar hormone receptors, androgen receptor in prostate cancer, which I've spoken about already, and estrogen receptor in breast cancer. So by focusing on both of them together, we, I guess what we're going towards is that the gains that we make in new treatments for men with prostate cancer can hopefully be translated to similar gains for women who have breast cancer and vice versa. So Wayne talked about androgen deprivation therapy for advanced disease. What about the earlier stages of disease? Um, what kind of drugs are used to treat prostate cancer in its earlier stage? Sure. So uh, I'm sure many of the listeners will be aware that prostate cancer is really common. Uh, it's the most common non-skin cancer of men in Australia. And so there are currently about 120,000 Australian men living with this disease, and there's about 20,000 new cases diagnosed each year. So for early stage disease, um, many of these men who are diagnosed can be cured by surgery or by radiation therapy, or they might have such a slow-growing, low-risk disease that they can be carefully monitored without any treatment at all. And that's a strategy we uh, refer to as active surveillance. So for these men, um, the outcomes are generally very good. But there are a small proportion or a proportion, about three in every 10 men who are diagnosed with prostate cancer that will progress to a more advanced stage which as Wayne described, is treated by androgen deprivation therapy. And basically, this therapy uh, denies the androgen receptor of, of androgen and thereby blocks its activity. So, Luke, you've just quoted some Australian stats. 
Let's hear from Dr. Michael O'Callaghan, who is a senior researcher and educator for the South Australian Prostate Cancer Registry, to see how the South Australian statistics compare, and also just to have a bit more of a chat about um, prostate cancer in the state. G'day, Michael. Um, so in South Australia, roughly how many men are diagnosed with prostate cancer each year? So you're predicting a drop in new diagnoses. Why do you think this is the case? Um, so my suspicion is that less men are being offered PSA screening um, and therefore less men have the test and therefore less men are diagnosed. Because um, when you consider our population which is growing and it's also ageing, um, there's every reason to believe that um, the actual number is not getting smaller, it's more likely that the number being diagnosed is, is shrinking. So going back to Luke's comment, it is only those men with advanced disease who receive uh, androgen deprivation therapy or ADT upfront, which you're saying is about 20 to 25% of newly diagnosed men. Uh, would you just be able to tell us on average what proportion of South Australian men with prostate cancer have lower risk disease? I know it's been um, mentioned before, but would you just be able to explain again what happens with the men that are that have lower risk disease? Um, so the men with low risk disease um, technically um, should be offered active surveillance. Um, so um, and that, essentially that just means watching their PSA and having a repeat biopsy um, following a protocol. Um, and then if their disease progresses, uh, then they can be offered an intervention at that point. Yeah. And again, that could be radiation or surgery. Um, but the real benefit is that while they're being observed, they don't have the treatment toxicities. Um, so when a man has a radical prostatectomy, um, surgery or radiation therapy, they very often will have erectile dysfunction or uh, urinary incontinence, and that can be quite um, quite detrimental to their quality of life. So if they can defer those treatment toxicities um, for quite some time, particularly without changing their risk of um, dying from the disease, then that's certainly a good thing for the men. When you're considering what treatment is, is most beneficial, what else do you think uh, is important to think about? One of the other things... Um, men need to keep in mind is just how they might respond to um, being in a position of uncertainty because um, some people um, when diagnosed with something like prostate cancer um, do not like the idea of leaving that cancer inside of them mm. um, and that's why 
there's a fair percent of men with low risk disease who elect to have surgery, even though perhaps technically they might not need that. So um, I think for men who make that decision, they need to be aware of what that decision means in terms of toxicity. Um, but um, depending on their sort of anxiety profile, that may still be an appropriate option for them. Thanks for that, Michael. Um, back again now to you, Luke. How effective is androgen deprivation therapy for men with advanced prostate cancer? So fortunately uh, for almost all men, um, androgen deprivation therapy is initially very effective in stopping AR activity in prostate cancer growth. But unfortunately, this therapy is never curative. So in all cases, the can- cancer eventually starts growing again. And this is what we call therapy-resistant disease, or you may also hear the term uh, castration-resistant prostate cancer. And this is a highly aggressive form of prostate cancer and can, can kill men within a fairly short period of time. So over a decade ago, it was actually thought that therapy-resistant prostate cancer would be driven by something occurring in the cell that's distinct from the androgen receptor. However, uh, really important research from Wayne and from other groups showed that the AR remains active despite being there being very low levels of circulating androgen um, when men are treated with androgen deprivation therapy. So the AR is active in this state, and in fact, for most men with therapy-resistant disease, it remains the key driver. So we've been able to look deep into cancer cells using advanced molecular techniques, and this has helped us identify some of the mechanisms by which this continued androgen receptor signaling occurs. And I guess a couple of the key mechanisms that we and others have um, found is that the AR can be mutated or it can be changed in other ways such that it becomes less dependent on androgens to drive prostate cancer growth. And actually, this type of adaptation is no different to what we see in response to selection pressure throughout nature and in response to a change in the environment. And so, unfortunately, cancer cells can evolve and mutate and and they can actually do this very quickly. And this is what causes resistance to therapies. So anyway, this seminal research on the AR um, that we and others had done uh, led to the development of of the so-called second-generation androgen deprivation therapies, which are basically new drugs that are more potent in blocking the activity of AR. So it sounds like we know a lot about advanced disease prostate cancer. Does that mean that we're getting close to a cure? So the second generation androgen deprivation therapies that I just mentioned um, have undoubtedly improved outcomes for men with drug-resistant disease, but none of them can cure a man. So since most of these lethal prostate cancers still remain dependent on the androgen receptor, our team is researching new ways to target this this receptor. So... We're at war with the AR, so to speak. So would I be correct in assuming that in regards to how prostate cancer responds to treatment, the androgen receptor, or AR, is kind of like the the big boss? That is a pretty good way to put it, I think. Um, The AR is definitely the big boss in the vast majority of tumours. So when we call it the driver of the cancer, um, essentially, yeah, I guess you could call it the big boss. Um, but this essentially means that it is the um, factor that is primarily responsible for promoting the growth of the tumour. Um, but prostate cancer is 
what we call addicted to the androgen receptor in, in many cases. And so it really relies on the AR for, for its growth. So if we could block AR more effectively, um, we could potentially um, have more durable responses uh, f- when we're treating men with advanced disease. Aside from the AR, are there any other factors which influence prostate cancer growth? Yeah, so cancers are a very complex um, biological puzzle, and for that matter, so so is all all cells in the in the body. But there's a lot of factors that will contribute to cancer growth. Um, so there are tumor suppressors, which are the good guys basically, and they're often lost um, as prostate cancer grows and develops. Um, and then there are oncogenes, which are the bad players. These are the guys that cause um, the tumor to grow and to, to spread around the body. And the androgen receptor, as I said, is the main one, but there are certainly lots of others that are important too. So there are lots of efforts to target some of these other players in prostate cancer, but the truth is that at the moment, the most effective therapies are generally based around targeting the androgen receptor. So, Luke, um, what are the, the newer, smarter treatment options for prostate cancer that your team is working on? So, as I mentioned, um, we're really trying to be smarter about the way that we target the AR. So, all of the current AR-targeted therapies are aimed at blocking binding of androgens to the receptor. So all drugs to date um, target the part of the receptor that binds the androgen. And for those interested, the technical terms for this part of the uh, receptor is called the ligand binding domain. So we're developing drugs that target another distinct part of the androgen receptor to render it non-functional. And importantly, these drugs would work on the original receptor, but would also be effective against the mutant or alternative forms of the AR that are involved in therapy resistance, which I mentioned earlier. How has this all been achieved? Um, is all this work being done in Adelaide? Uh, with a lot of uh, research over decades now, and of course I wasn't involved in all of that. And I also should mention that um, this research program is not uh, just done in isolation by our, our group here in Adelaide. It's very much um, involves work with collaborators here in Adelaide uh, and interstate and also internationally. And this broader team um, is comprised of clinicians and other cancer biologists, um, experts in other fields such as chemistry and engineering from all around the world. And, you know, we work with groups at University of Washington, Texas, Minnesota and California in the U.S. Luke, it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Um, thanks again for coming on the podcast. If people have any questions about you or your research, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, I'd be very happy to be contacted by anyone who was interested in our chat today. Um, so probably the best way is by email. So that's luke.self, S-E-L-T-H, at adelaide.edu.au. Thanks again, Luke. No probs. I just want to say thank you to Dr. Luke Self, Dr. Michael O'Callaghan, and Professor Wayne Tilly for their participation in this podcast. The Freemason Foundation Centre for Men's Health is extremely proud of your dedication and hard work towards this important cause. For more information about prostate cancer screening and whether you should get tested, check out the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners website 
at www.ricgp.org.au. Our next podcast is an absolute cracker and features one of the Centre's PhD students, Kutsi Kanuto. We discuss primary healthcare service utilisation in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men. Also, don't forget to sign up to our Men's Health Register if you're interested in research. Honestly, it only takes about two or three minutes. Um, you're not obliged to participate in any research. It's, it's just a good way to kind of keep in touch with what's going on um, at our centre and give you the opportunity to participate in research that you would be interested in. Head to our website at adelaide.edu.au slash men's health for more info. If you enjoy listening to the Men's Health Matters podcast, then please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Bye.